<laughs> amen and amen. I sure hope you could say amen on that one. I'm telling you, we serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who loves us and a Jesus who died for us. I don't know about you, but that's a big amen right there. That's, that's, that's why we do what we do, because we have a, a mighty God that's in our lives that loves us so much that he willingly sent his son to die on a cross just for us. That's a hallelujah and an amen all put together right there, I think. You know what? All right, let's pray before we start. <laughs> Father God, we just come to you today again, just praising your name. Father, I thank you that we can find joy in the midst of the storm. Father, we can find peace in the, in the midst of time of troubles. Father, we find peace. We find your love all around us. So, Father God, we thank you for that. God, I pray you'll just speak today like you speak every Sunday. Father, hide me behind your cross. Father, I pray that uh, the words that come from my mouth are your words and not mine. Father, I pray that uh, the message will impact people today. Father, we just love you. In your name we pray. Amen. I will be in uh, Hebrews today if you want to turn there. We haven't looked at that in a while. The title of the message is Duties of a Disciple. What does that mean? Duties of a Disciple. And we'll be in Hebrews 10 if you want to want to go there. We'll, we'll start in verse 22. Duties, our duties as a disciple. When we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, that was the beginning of the journey. Wasn't the end of the journey. Yes, we, we have accepted Christ. We have an inheritance of eternal life, yes. But God doesn't want to just leave us there. He doesn't want to leave us there at, at salvation. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if when we accepted Christ that we immediately went into heaven. That would, have been, that would be a great thing. But usually that's not what happens, is it? So usually he has something for us. He has something for us to do and something for us to grow into. And that word is sanctification as we grow and mature in the Lord. And he's called us to do that. I mean, it would be a sad state of affairs if, if our little Kimber, when she was born, she never got any bigger than that. That would be sad. She grows and she grows and she gets a little more mature and a little more smarter and does a little more things that are good. And as Christians, we are called to do that, are we not? We are called to grow in the Lord. We are called to mature in our faith. We are called to love Him a little more than we did yesterday. And the day before and the day before, we are to grow in the Lord. And today we're going to look at some of those kind of things that help, will help us to grow. Did you know we really can, we really can know the God of the universe. We really can tap into his power to live the Christian life. I hope you understand that because we, we can do that anytime, anywhere to tap into his power. We can have sweet communion and sweet fellowship with the God of the universe. The God who created and hung the stars and counts them and gives them by name. We can have sweet fellowship with Him. As Christians, we have the very presence of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And we can have the power that only God can give to us. 
as we, as we deal with trials in life and we deal with temptations in life and we deal with sufferings in life and we deal with the enemies of life and the, and the biggest enemy of all is death. And because of the power that we have in Jesus Christ, we can conquer that last enemy and that last enemy is death. I believe Sue conquered that last enemy when she went to be with the Lord just the other day. How can we grasp a hold of this power to live the Christian life? How can we continue to grow in his word as we walk this walk, as we walk in a manner worthy of his calling, as the Bible says? How do we grasp the power of the living God in our life? And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, I get four, four steps, four duties as a disciple, how we can grab a hold according to God's word his power, and to live a victorious life and not a defeated life. A life that, that pursues the things of God. The life that says you can be a light in this dark world. How do we do that? How do we go from this spiritual level that we are today and we go to this level one of these days until he calls us home? God's not finished with us yet, is he? And he wants us to keep growing. How do we grow? How do we get that kind of power in our lives? Well, we're going to look at, we're going to look at that today. I think the first step we'll find in verse 22 there, the first step of growing in the Lord and, and having this power to live a powerful, successful life in the Lord is, is look at uh, verse 22. I think the first thing that we need to do is what? Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Drawing near is just the opposite of running away from God. <laughs> okay? We draw near to Him and we don't run from Him. So the first thing we see is, is let us draw near. And how do we draw near? What is that approach? It says we come with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean with an evil, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It says, number one, we are to draw near to the Lord. How can we draw near to the Lord? Well, the very first thing that we have to understand as we draw near to the Lord is we must be born again. <laughs> as Jesus said, you must be born again. You must have repented of your sins and accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when we do that, and we, when we did that, the Bible says that he took our sin and he took our shame and he took our guilt. And he said he took it upon himself in exchange for our sins. What did he give to us? He gave us his righteousness. And when Jesus presents us before the Father, he presents us as being sinless and being righteous. And that is the only way a person could ever approach the throne room of God as if being sinless and righteous because he is holy and he is perfect. And because of our salvation now, and he took our sins and gave us righteousness, we have the ability, we have the opportunity to approach Father God and come to his throne anytime we want to. Which allows us, because he presents us that way, we have the right to be into the very presence of holy God. And it allows us to have communion and fellowship with him. Without Christ in our hearts, we can never have Communion, never have fellowship, never have power that we have right now. Only because of what Jesus has done can we approach God. 
Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross for us. And how do we draw? What are the steps? What are the approaches for us to be able to draw near to him? Well, it tells us in that verse. Let's look at that verse real quick. It says, let us draw near with a sincere heart. That is a heart that is sincere. That is a heart that is true. That is a heart that is thankful. It's a heart that says, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation, for saving my soul. Thank you. Thank you that I can have fellowship with holy God, the God who created the universe. I can speak to him anytime that I want to. Thank you comes from a heart that says, I thank you for your presence and your power in my life. The presence of God and the power of God. I thank you because of that. Father, I thank you that we have victory over trials and temptations that come into my life. Have you thanked him for that lately? Yeah, we have that power because we have been born again. And I'm so thankful that we have this unbroken opportunity and fellowship to be able to spend time with holy God as we sit in church we're spending in the presence of God as we kneel to pray we're in the presence of God when we read his word we're in the very presence of God you see the first thing that we've got to do as we draw near to God we must come to him with a sincere and a true and a thankful heart second thing that we see in those verses As we draw near to Him, we come to Him in full assurance of faith. We come to Him full assurance of faith. We understand, do we not, that Jesus is the only way to God. The world might tell us there's 150 other ways. Oprah will tell you there's probably more than that. But our faith tells us, and we believe it, have confidence that there is only one way for heaven. And that is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It is having a faith that says, I cannot save myself. I cannot be good enough. I cannot be good looking enough. I can't have enough money. I can't do all kind of good stuff that that God would ever be impressed with and allow me into his heaven. No, it is an assurance. It is that faith that we have knowing that Jesus is is the only way in spite of what the world tells us Jesus is the only way to heaven how do we draw near to God we draw near to him with full assurance of faith that he is the only way to get there the last thing we see in that verse it says and having our hearts sprinkled clean with an evil from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience when we got born again, is that not what he did to us? Okay. He, he forgave us and he cleansed us of all unrighteousness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me white again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, if we're ever going to draw near to to God, we have to come through the blood of Jesus who cleanses us from all 
unrighteousness. And because we have been cleaned, and because we have been, it says, what does it say? Our bodies washed with the pure water. We have a clean heart, and we have a clean body towards Him. And because of that, we can draw near to our Lord and Savior. What's the three common denominators of those, those things? What are the three things that we, we are just in common, a sincere heart, and a, and a faithful assurance, and this, this washing of clean hearts? It's Jesus, is it not? We can never draw near to God without the saving power of Jesus Christ. And because of His sacrifice, because of what He did on that cross, we can draw near to Him. And when we draw near to Him, the Bible tells us we can have a sweet, sweet fellowship with the Lord. I hope you've had those occasions. I hope that when you kneel to pray that there's just something special when you, when you take it to the throne room of grace. Because you're in the very presence of the Lord. I hope when you're reading His Word many times, you understand that you're in His presence. And that sweet, sweet fellowship, that sweet companionship that we have and because we have that sweet fellowship with him and we have his presence and his power living in our lives we really can walk the walk and talk the talk and walk in a manner worthy of our calling I hope and pray you have a desire and a passion to draw near to the Lord okay to draw near to the Lord because the opposite of that is running away from the Lord. And nobody wants to do that. Ain't nobody got time for that if you're a Christian. Draw near to the Lord with a sincere heart. Know what you believe. Because He has washed you clean from all of your sins. You want the power of God in your life? The Bible says first thing you got to do is draw near to Him. And He'll draw near to you. The second thing we can see there in verse 23... It says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We hold fast to the confession of our hope without any wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We are to hold on to our faith. We are to grasp a hold of our faith. And we are to remember who we are in the Lord. Who are we in the Lord? We've got to hold on to this when life happens and life comes at us with both barrels. We remember who we are because Ephesians 1 tells us. Ephesians 1 tells us who we are in Christ. It says we are chosen by the Lord. We are forgiven by the Lord. We are redeemed by the Lord. We are adopted into His family. We are sealed for an eternity. And the Bible says we are blessed because God is our God and Jesus is our Savior. We must hold fast to that Christian friend and Christian brother and sister that we are who we are because of Jesus in our life. And we know without a shadow of doubt, do we not? That the God who has told us that we are redeemed and adopted and forgiven will do exactly what he says he will do. Whatever he promises, he will do. And what did he promise us when we became born again? We accepted his son as Lord and Savior. 
He said, I will give you an inheritance, and that inheritance is eternal life. That's good news. That's good news, the eternal life. And he also said, I'm going to give you the privilege of being able to live with me and other Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. I will let you live with me forever and forever. What a great promise. And we understand, we see it here, that he who has promised is faithful. And if he said it, take it to the bank because he means it. He means it. He won't, if you got saved, he go, well, I don't remember him being saved. So, no. He will fulfill his promises to us as we draw near to him. Holding fast to our faith means that we don't listen to the voices of the world around us. I mean, the voices just keep getting louder and louder, don't they? And they just keep getting darker and darker. And there's and such awful stuff. And as Christians, we hold on to our faith by not listening to those voices out there that want to pull us away from our faith. It is not doubting that God loves us and that Jesus died for us. That's holding on to our faith, even when the world doesn't want us to understand that. That God loves us no matter what we're going through. And Jesus died for us no matter what we are, we are going through. It is not pursuing the falseness of the teachings of this world. I mean, you can turn the TV on anywhere you want to, and you can hear any message you want to hear, and some of that is a feel-good message. A message that said you, got to, you can be all that you want to be. You can be. But you want to be walking out those doors. You want to always be feeling good about yourself because you're living the best life that you can live. And you never hear anything of the other side of the story. You never hear about the judgment of God. You never hear about the consequences of sin. And yet people listen to that and and many of them will go to their graves thinking that's all there is about the gospel and that's nothing about the gospel. Yeah, the gospel is good news, yeah. But there's two sides to that coin and one of them is their sin, but there's also a Savior. Sometimes we forget those two. We pursue the things of, of false teaching. That's why we got to know what's in God's Word. That's why we must study to show ourselves approved. You see, we, uh, hanging on to our faith says when life happens, when trials and temptations and suffering and circumstances come into our lives, and they all will, we hold on to our faith. Our faith is not Shaken, We don't lose our faith because life is yuck today. We don't lose our faith because we got that phone call that's not very good. We don't lose our faith because someone has passed. We hold on to our faith no matter, no matter what. We hold fast to the confession of our hope. Do we not? Man, if we want the power of God living in our lives, we got to hold on to that faith. And not let anything take that faith away. Not let anything shake that faith, if you would. We must be strong in the way we do things. You know, God has promised he'll always be with us. You know, I, I, I think of another Kimber example. But I think that, that sometimes she'll be walking with you and she'll just reach up and grab your hand. And you just walk down the road and 
it's a sense of security to her. I think it's a sense that says everything's going to be all right because, well, she's with Bob. I mean, we'll just say it that way, okay? And I guess maybe mom and dad, and yeah, you, know, you know what I'm saying. A sense of security, a sense of peace because she's grabbed hold of the hand of her loved ones. And I'm here to tell you, that is just the way God is. That's just a perfect picture of God. You see, when he, when he sticks his hand, big old hand down, and we reach up our hand and we put our hand into his, we have this great sense of security. We have this sense like, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. You see, God never promised that he would keep us from the fires of life, did he? But what did he promise? He promised, I'll be going with you through the fires of life. You see, don't let the fires and, and the struggles and the hurricanes of life keep you from, from your faith. Don't let bad news keep you from holding on to your hope that you have in Christ Jesus. If we ever want to have the power of God living in our lives, we must be able to hold on to our faith and not let it be shaken, not let it be taken away just because the enemy wants to do that. I would urge you, urge you, urge you, hold on to the confession of your hope. And that hope is your faith in Jesus Christ. As we move to verse 24, we see another step, another duty of of us as disciples, if you would. And verse 24 says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to do good deeds. That word consider is an interesting word. It means to give attention to others. It means to concentrate or have continuous care for others. It means to watch over one another. It means to fix your attention to someone else. Fix your attention on how to stimulate one another. How much better would our churches be today? If we did that, if we considered, thought about how to stimulate one another in in the Lord, how much better would you be if that was a thought that you had on a continual basis? How How do I put my attention on somebody else? How can I help somebody else? How can I be considerate? For the feelings of others. How can I show concern for others? How can I meet the needs of others? How can I help somebody during their trials and their suffering that they're going through? How can I be a friend to somebody that's lonely, that needs a friend? How can I give direction to somebody that is lost in life? How can I cozy up to somebody, if you would, whose burden is just about overcoming them? And you waddle upside him and you say, hey, let me help you carry that burden. Let me help you carry that burden, my brother, my sister. I mean, if we had churches that would do that, and I'm saying we don't, we do. But how, but how, how much better it would be if we all did that? How much better would your life be? When you did that, when you just helped somebody to bring them up, to help them, give them a word of encouragement, give them a helping hand, give them a strong back if you need to. 
You see, we, we are to grow in, in our Lord. We are to grow stronger and mature and more mature and more spiritual in our Lord. We've got to consider and think about and fix our attention on how we can encourage and stimulate one another. You know, Matthew 5.16 says it this way. Let our light shine before men in such a way that, the, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, we don't have a dead faith, do we? We have an alive faith. And because our faith is alive, we, the Bible tells us we are to live a life that brings light to a dark world, the people around us. We are to live as light. We are to live as, as Christ lived, and that is loving those that are unlovable. And when we live like that and we love like that, I can promise you, other people will be encouraged by that. Other people will see that. I know, I know I've had people that I know that have been unbelievers. And they'll go, wow, how, how, how do you do that, Don? How do you, how do, you do that? How, how, do you, how do you forgive somebody that, that, boy, they don't deserve it? How do you love somebody that for sure doesn't deserve it? How do you do that? And guess what? They are watching you to see how you act, to see how you react, to see how you respond to that. And when people see you doing that, other Christians see you doing that, living the life, living light, loving others, and you see them doing it as believers, it's going to encourage you to do the very same thing. And even better than that, it might encourage some unbeliever who is lost in a lost state to say, hey, I want what that person has. And we stimulate them, encourage them to become children of the king by just the way that we do things. We want the power of God in our lives. We are to draw near to him. We hold fast to our confession and we encourage ourselves in the Lord. Verse 25 is, the, is our fourth step or duty as a as a believer. Verse 25 says this. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not forsaking our own assembling together. Did you know Exodus 20, verse 8, says this remember the Sabbath and keep it holy you see God said a day uh, did he not for himself he said a day the Bible said God rested on that day he said a day that you and I as believers are to focus our hearts and minds on him he said a day that is kind of special for him and he wants to make that day special for us and the writer says do not forsake that do not forsake the coming the assembling the coming to your church he said I had a lady one time that told me she says I, I come some but I don't come very often she said but but you know what I said I can put my headphones on I can put on the Christian music if I want to 
And I do that when I'm mowing my yard on Sunday morning as I'm riding my mowing tractor around the yard. And she says, you know, I can, I'm worshiping right there. Okay, but to that I say hogwash. <laughs> to that I say bull feathers. To that I say negatory good buddy. Because you see, God's word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. My hope and my prayer is you get more out of church than just that. Okay? And I know, I know, and I know. Things happen. Things come into our lives that we have to miss. I got no problem with that. I understand that. I understand that that we have to do what we have to do. But I am concerned about those that week in and week out find something better to do than being in the Lord's house. Something more important than being in the Lord's house. I mean, he says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. Adrian Rogers would put it this way. He said, a faith that keeps you out of church is a faith that will keep you out of heaven. Adrian Rogers. I believe Adrian Rogers really knows what he's talking about. See, what was he saying? We don't come to this building uh, in a legalistic way because I got to is one of the commandments. No, no. We come here because we want to. We come here because we have a desire to be here. We have a desire to be obedient. We come here because we love our Lord and Savior. And we have submitted our lives to Him. And it, we come as, as at least one day a week just to pause and to say, Wow, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in our lives. You know, we, we're living in some pretty dark times, are we not? And we, we've got to have strength somewhere. And I suggest to you, everybody, every, no, every believer needs to be in church. And I'm going to say it again. Every believer needs to be in church. And why do we need to be in church? Because of the dark times we live in, we need fellowship with people that think like us that have been born again. We need that friendship. We need that fellowship of like believers. And we can talk about like things. Because you know and you know out there in this old world, outside of these doors and windows and building and walls, what's it like out there? We have very few friends and very few opportunities of fellowship, of talking about the Lord, if you would. Because all we have is just yuck out there, don't we? All we have is people that don't believe like you do. And if they don't believe like you do, they're not going to talk like you and they're not going to think like you. We come to church to have friendship and fellowship. We come to church to, to draw strength from other believers. We see what people are going through. We see how they're acting and the strength and the power they have from God living in their lives. And we see them having victory over all kinds of stuff in this old world. And I promise to tell you, when we see that and we look at that, we can draw strength from that those people and those persons as they're living victorious lives in spite of the circumstances of life. We gain strength from that. I promise you. We, we gain encouragement for the very same reason as we come to the Lord's house. 
we see concern and we receive concern and we receive care and we see the love that, that, that you can't find anywhere else. And I promise you, you can't find those things sitting on a lawnmower on Sunday morning. I don't care how good the music is. You see, there's a reason why he said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Because it is for your good. (laughs) Okay? And we come, and we come to worship the living God. We come to worship the living God. We come to bow our hearts and we bow our heads before the God of the universe. The one who controls the wind and the waves. The one who, told, who tells the oceans where to stop. The one who named the stars and the constellation. The one who sent his son to die on a cross for us. That's who we come to worship. And we come to worship the holy and the living God. And we come to worship in the spirit and the truth that we all know. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord so we can worship Him, God Almighty. We come to praise Him, do we not? I mean, we we get busy in our lives and, and so many times we don't stop to praise Him or to be thankful. But when we come to His house, I hope and pray that it is a time that you can be thankful. That you can praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He's doing for you. Praise Him for just Him being God and giving you your salvation. Wow. We come to this house to study God's Word. So that we can understand where, what God is talking about. We come and understand that some of the stories in the Old Testament. And we see and we study the words of Jesus in the New Testament. And we study so, as the Bible says, we will show ourselves to be approved. That we'll know what false teaching is. We'll know where we're going on on a wrong road. We come to study God's Word. And I hope you have a passion for His Word. Because it is His love letter to us as we walk this walk. We come from ministry to minister to others. We come to witness as a witness to others. And, and, and I think we also come <laughs> to get fueled up for the rest of the week. Fueled up for the rest of the week. I don't know about you, but there are times I need gas in my gas tank. And I hope Sunday morning when you come here that you're getting fueled up. That you're getting pumped up for the rest of the week. That you just, you got something going there and, and you're just blessed by what's going on in your service. And you are ready to go. For the next week. That's what coming to church does. Riding the mower won't do that for you, I promise. And why does it say that we are to come and, and, and assemble in his house? Why does he want us here? We've, we've talked about a lot of things. But the last part of that verse says this. Uh, it says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why do we not forsake the assembling? Why do we encourage others from being here? 
because all the more that you see the day is drawing near. That could be the day that uh, we spend, the last day we spend on, on earth where we take our last breath and then at that point we've, we uh, no longer have an option of where we want to spend eternity. Could be talking about that. Yeah, Encourage people to come to hear the gospel because life is short and we never know when, when time's up. <laughs> we don't know that. But it's also talking about the day drawing near and that day is when Jesus comes back. He's saying there's coming a day and I think we're getting very close. We're nearer than we were yesterday. We're nearer than we were there Friday. And you see the signs that have been laid out in God's word. I can't help but think that Jesus is coming back sooner than later. I just, I just see the, the things happening, the circumstances, the, the stars, if you would, lining up. Day is coming back. It says, he says it is a day drawing near. God does not want any of us to perish. And he says, I want you to come to my house to worship, to praise, to get encouragement. Because one day, the days will be done. And that, that shout from, the, from heaven and the, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound. And time, as we know it, will be no more. The Bible says, there's a day drawing near. Get into the Lord. Come to his house. Hear his word. Accept his Savior as your Savior. Because it's coming near. We want the power of God in our lives. I hope you do. If you're born again, you should want that. We draw near to him with a sincere and a truthful heart. We hold tight to our faith no matter what life throws at us. We hold on to our faith. We encourage others by the way we live and we encourage others to live like Christ lived. You bet. And we assemble in God's house to hear his word preached, to be encouraged, to fuel up for the rest of the week. God wants us to have that kind of power, doesn't he? He wants us to do that. You see, when we got saved, we're just not going to stay there. We got to grow. We got to mature. How do we do that? We draw near to him and do those kind of things. As a piano plays, You know, I just, I just thinking how, how good God is to us. I mean, how good is He? I mean, He, He didn't have to put that in there. <laughs> okay, He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to tell us how to receive His power to walk in a manner worthy of. He didn't have to do that. But He says, "Here is, here is My word, and here are some things I would like for you to do, if you really want." To have my power within you. To be able to overcome. To be able to have victory over all the things of this old world. Here's what I want you to do if you want to do them. And if you do, you'll grow in your love for me. You'll draw near to me. You'll have the power that raised Jesus from the grave that lives inside of you. What What an awesome God that we live
What an awesome God that we can just come to him at any time. What an awesome God says, come on. I know what you've done, but I love you anyway. Y'all come. As the piano plays, let's close our eyes and bow our, our heads and our hearts. Believer, I would ask you to pray for someone you don't think is a believer. Pray for yourself that you will want to grow into the Lord. That you want to draw near to Him. Pray as the Holy Spirit leads you. If you've never been born again, today would be a good day to do that. As you pray.